letter to Galatia. Uh, just because of the nature of the week, I didn't make any intentions of preaching John this week. I, I've been working on Galatians for quite some time. I intend to preach through it on Sunday nights beginning in January. And so if you have interest in Galatians Sunday night in January, we'll start this book. But for this morning, without further ado, I'm going to preach basically the center of the verse, center of the book of this, the center of this book, uh, chapter 4, verse 17. Chapter 4, verse 17. The ESV will uh, word Galatians 4, 17 this way. It's a very complicated verse to translate. We'll get to that later. But here it reads, They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. Now this message is somewhat of a rebuke, maybe a light rebuke, maybe a heavy rebuke. I'm not sure, however you may take it and also a confession of the perplexity of my heart, because you will find that in verse 20, that Paul is perplexed. This sermon entitled, and takes in all of chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, but the text I'm dealing with is verse 17. The title of this message is going to be, The Pull of the World. The Pull of the World. Even in this church at this point, so if you're wondering if I'm talking to you, I am. And so in this church, even at this stage in history, there's a significant amount of people that make up the membership of this church who on the large scale do not seem very committed to the service of this church. Some who were once in Sunday school, some who once came to prayer meeting, some who helped to meet the practical needs in the church have been lured in by the world. They are too tired to get up on Sunday morning. They are too distracted to come back on Sunday evening. And they are too busy to participate on Wednesday nights. Now, I realize you are here and I am here. And so if this is not you, then perhaps this will prevent you from becoming one of these who fall into this category. Or perhaps, after you hear this message, possibly you would warn a brother or a sister whom this has happened to. It does grieve the heart of this pastor. It grieves me that people who have heard the truth of the gospel have turned back to things that once enslaved them before. The gospel that you heard was a gospel that delivers men from the world. It was a gospel that brought you out of darkness into marvelous light. It was a gospel that made you a new creation in which the old passed away and a new creation was brought forward. It was a gospel that delivered you from slavery and made you heirs of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet many, even in this church, have gone back to be slaves of the world Slaves to the job, slaves to their kids, slaves to their hobbies, slaves to their materialism, slaves to their social life, slaves to a system that drains them of all energy. Week after week after week, people say, I'm just tired. 
Sin is a heavy load to carry. The world is a cruel taskmaster, and the flesh is a terrible dictator. I am perplexed. I am perplexed at the lack of devotion to the things that matter. Perplexed. My thesis for this message is this. The corrupt teaching of legalism and submission to worldly corruptions have the potential of shutting you out. This is what the text says, to shut you out. It doesn't say out of what, it just shut you out. Now, you have your translation before you. This is my translation of verse 17. It is somewhat different, and it's intended to try to be as literal as I can with the Greek text. They, it's not well, not well, but they wish to shut you out so that you seek them. The seek is the same Greek word on both ends. This zealously seeking of you, not for your good, then they want you to zealously seek them. That's the way this verse is working. Now, it is a four-point message, so the points are short and you can remember them. Number one, predators. Predators. From Galatians 4.17, the predators are those who zealously seek you. The predators are those who zealously seek you. Now, what is a predator? Webster's Dictionary makes it fairly simple. A predator is one who injures or exploits others for personal gain or profit. A predator exploits, injures for personal gain or for profit. Now they are zealously, this word zealous, intensely interested in something striving, desiring, exerting oneself earnestly. They're they're dedicated. They have an intense interest in you. They zealously seek you. They're very interested in you. They strive. They desire to have you. They are dedicated to obtaining you. So at least we understand so far that there is a they, we'll define the they, but there's a they who have an earnest zeal to apprehend you. They're dedicated to this task and they're never going to give up. Now the question then becomes, who are they? Well, in the context of Galatians, it is the troublemakers that are involved in this place of Galatia, these false teachers, if you will, the troublemakers. What these troublemakers of Galatia are trying to do is they're trying to get the Galatians to revert back to living by the law to obtain righteousness. That's what they're trying to do. You see, understand, Paul said, righteousness is by faith alone. 
It's very freeing to believe Christ and to be clothed with righteousness that you understand your identity. I am righteous in Christ. It's not based on my performance. Like if I keep A, B, and C, then I'm more righteous. No, I am righteous solely because I believe in another and it's his righteousness that's imputed to me. So you don't have to live up to some man-made standard to become some holy person. I don't have to do that. But these troublemakers are trying to get these who have believed by faith to revert back to works in order to be righteous. Well, it's not only those. There are also other they in this passage. And you'll find them earlier in chapter 4. In verse 3, they were elemental principles of the world. These elemental principles of the world are trying to get you. They want to obtain you and grab a hold of you in order to shut you out. Also, they were the things that by nature were not God's. Those things that by nature that are not God's, that they have some well elevated to a position of being a god. It could be money, it could be news, it can be materialism, it could be a host of things that by nature are not gods, had enslaved them. And it was also the weak and worthless elemental things. In a, in a nutshell, all these things of the world's philosophy that we were enslaved to before, before they were your master. The world told you what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. The world gave you your marching orders until that glorious day the gospel came through and you were delivered. And now the world has no control over you no more. Now you're free in Christ. You were like, hallelujah, I've been saved. I'm a child of God and I'm going to glory. I love the gospel. And something happened and now they're turning back and going back to the world and submitting to the slavery that they were delivered from. That's what's going on. That's who the they are. F.F. Bruce, a commentator, worded it this way, and it is helpful. This is one of the only quotes I have. But from the context, F.F. Bruce says, It may be gathered that the elemental things of the world cover all the things in which man places his trust apart from the living God. They become his gods, and he becomes their slave, whatever those things may be. Now, there's a word in Greek, uh, metanoeo, which is the word for repentance. And you've heard the word, you've certainly heard of repentance and how uh, preachers have defined repentance. You know, you're going this way and repentance means to turn and go the opposite way. It also means this idea of a change of mind. I thought this way, now I'm going to change my thinking to this way. Well, here in Galatians, I find a word for repentance in the wrong direction. It's a different Greek word, but it has the same type of definition. Here in this text, we have a repentance from what is good to what is bad. You you see it there in Galatians, if you would look there in verse 9, Galatians 4, 9. But now that you have come to know God, 
uh, he corrects himself very quickly, or rather, to be known by God. So there's this relational, intimate union with God that has come to be, this knowledge of your walk with him. He asks this, it's like a preposterous question. How can you, epistrepho, how, how can you turn back? How can you repent of faith in Christ alone for righteousness, how can you repent of that and go back to the world to become a slave to the elemental spirits of the world? How, how in the world can you have that type of repentance? How, how is it that you could be set free, love the church, love the truth, love being a part of what's going on in the church, be totally sold out, all in with both hands, and then turn back to making church just something that you do every other week for an hour? How did you turn back to get so caught up in the world that when you do finally grace the church with your presence, you're just war slap out because your master has beat you to death? How did you repent and go back to that? That's what you were brought out of. You don't have to serve them anymore. You can tell them no. How, how is it possible to turn back to what is weak and worthless, that at the end of your life when you stand before God, you would be embarrassed to know that you gave so much time to? You didn't have to. Who remember that day when you fell in love with Christ? You remember that day when the things of God stirred your soul and you couldn't wait to worship Him, serve Him, be a part of the family of God? You remember when you, your heart was just, oh man, I found the church. All of these things, whether it's these troublemakers or the elementary, elemental principles or things by nature that are not God's or worthless and weak elemental things, whatever it may be, their seeking of you is not well, not good, kalos, not good, not well. Uh, that word, the uh, Greek word kalos, has to do with uh, meeting expectations of personal excellence, commendably. I think NASB will translate it commendably, not for your commendation. They, they're not seeking your personal excellence the world system does not want you to be godly. They're not trying to help you to be holy. They're not trying to help you be fulfilled. They're not helping you to be satisfied. The world just wants you to be in debt where you'll owe them. You know, they're like, the world's out there going, how can we make the Christians happy? They don't care about you. They only care about themselves. That's why they're troublemakers, and that's why they're after you. It's because it profits them. That's their whole point. You see, they're predators playing on you for their own benefit. The drive behind the troublemakers in Galatia and the other things previously listed in this chapter are not for your personal excellence, and they are not for your commendation. Two points, very short points of application. Predators... Do not seek to make your life better, but worse. Predators do not seek to extend your life, but terminate your life. They don't want you, you know John 10, 10. The whole purpose here in the gospel is to have life and life to the abundance 
All the other things that are laboring for you are to steal, kill, and destroy you. That's their stated purpose. That's the predators. Number two, perversion. Perversion. It's an interesting word. There's a Greek word for church, fellowship, and it's ekklesia. Ekklesia is the word we use for fellowship or sharing or uh, that type of thing, to, to be called out ones. This word's very close, but it's a totally different word. Ekleo. Ekleo. What does this word ekleo mean? To exclude or withdraw from fellowship. It's like the opposite of ecclesia. Ekleo is to exclude you from fellowship, to take you out of fellowship. Look, we're building something here. There's predators that are after you to take you out of fellowship in order that they can profit by you and destroy you in the process. That's what's going on. They want to shut you out. They want to exclude you. Whatever the troublemakers promise, whatever the world lures with, know that the perversion behind their presentation is to shut you out. At least know that's what they're doing. Now, whether you submit to them or not is going to be between you and God, I suppose. But that's what the purpose is for them. They want to shut you out. That's their stated goal. Now, this word, ekleo, has a whole word group. There's like all kinds of words that fit in this category. And I don't want to belabor the subject, but I do want you to get it. So I'm going to give you a list of all these words that go in this word group. Just real simple and short with Bible verses to match them. And so let me give you the context of this word, kleo. If you just have the root word kleo, it means to close or to shut. Pretty simple. So in Matthew 6, 6, when you go in your room and pray, shut the door. Okay? Or if you want to make it in a spiritual sense, Matthew 23, 13 with the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. What were the Pharisee hypocrites doing? Shutting the kingdom. Shutting the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Their legalism, their religiosity is slamming the door in people's faces. Or Matthew 25, 10. You remember you had the, the bride and the bridegroom. The bridegroom comes and those who were ready, they went with him. They were ready. Those who were not ready, with him to, at this marriage feast, the door was shut. This is this word group. Apocleo means to close or to shut as well. Luke 13, 25. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door. He said, what's the picture? And you begin to stand outside, Knock saying, Lord, open to us, and he's going to answer, I do not know you. I don't know you. I don't even know where you came from. There's this picture of a shut door to the paradise of eternity. Then there's also a word in here, clase, which means a key. And keys lock and unlock doors. Revelation 3, 7, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David. 
What does he do with this key? He opens, and what he opens, no one will shut, and who shuts, and no one opens. His key controls this locking and unlocking. In the word in our text, ekleo, that we've talked about, it's only used one other time, and it's in Romans 3.27. And right at the end of the beauty of the gospel, he says, what about boasting? It's excluded. If you understand the gospel, you have nothing to boast about. Then you get to katakleo, which means to shut or to lock up. You remember a guy by the name of Herod? All of his actions to John the Baptist. And it says, and he added this to all that he did. He locked him in prison. And then also in Acts 26, when Saul, before he was converted to Paul, he says he imprisoned them. He had letters and authority to imprison them or lock up many of the saints in prison. One more word in this word group is soon, Cleo, to him in to confine or to imprison. And I wanted to use this one because it matches what's going on, I think, in Galatia. And it says this in Galatians 3, 22 and 23, using this same type of word. But the Scripture imprisoned everything, imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ, it could be given to those who believe. Now, now look, before faith came, right? Before you believed, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned. That's what we were. And until the coming faith would be revealed. When the faith came, we were set free. You imagine the cell and the door and you can't get out and the door flings open. You see the light, the dungeon flings open and you walk out free. The shackles fall off and you're like, I'm free, free indeed, yes. Yes, that's what happened when faith came. Previously in prison, you loved the day the chains fell off. Read Pilgrim, when the burden fell off by itself, he was happy. Somewhere in the process, we go back. Why don't you go back? What do you, you didn't want to be there. You didn't like it there. Your master hated you, and he was cruel, and it was like in Doubting Castle, and he beat the smack out of you every day, and you were thinking about suicide until you figured out, oh, I have a key. I'll just open the door with a key, and I'll be free. Yes, don't go back. Use the key. Believe God. Believe your freedom in Christ and live for His glory and enjoy Christ and His church. Application. The troublemakers, the religious legalism, worldly lures that seek to shut people out, the question becomes what? Shut out of what? It just says shut out. It didn't tell us what, so you have to by implication shut out of what. I suppose the list could be longer, but it at least includes these things. They that zealously seek you, not for your good, want to shut you out of your fellowship with God. 
They don't want you worshiping God. They don't want you dedicated to God. They don't want you to have joy in God. They don't want you to walk with God on a daily basis in an intimate relationship. They don't want that. They want to shut you off and take you away from the one you claim to love. They want to cut you out of that where you don't ever benefit from the joys of walking with God. Somewhere in here, you ought to start hating the world. You ought to start hating legalism. You ought to start hating all these things that are laboring for you and your family. And you ought to say, you know what? I'm not listening to you anymore because you're not taking me away from my God. Shut you out of union with your church. Look, I could go forever. I see it. I see it. And I'm like, I wish I could grab a hold. I see it here now. I've seen it all my life. I see people come in this church and they're smiling and happy. They're plugged into Sunday school. They're fired up. We got a great preacher. We got a great church. They tell everybody in town. They write it on their Facebook. And it's the greatest place in the world. And all of a sudden, no more this, no more this, no more this, no more this, no more this. We're down to just a Sunday morning. And I see them going and going and going. And then a few years later, you say, What in the the world happened. They were such a good family. Now look at their kids. Look at the wife. Now they got a divorce. Now everything's falling apart. They have self-destructed because they've been shut out and they shut themselves out by buying in to the world that was zealously seeking them. And I sit back in my office and I weep because I see the destruction of souls and I can't prevent it. shut you out of the kingdom of heaven if they can out of all the benefits that are in Christ Jesus every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is given to you in Christ Jesus everything heaven has he gives to you graciously freely and abundantly and all the world said I'm going to shut you out from that where you don't benefit from any of it herein lies the perversion this perversion, perversion is to cause, to turn aside or away from what is good, what is true, what's morally right, to divert to a wrong end or purpose, to twist the meaning or the sense of something is the way Webster's Dictionary defines perversion. Those things that are not of faith are actively seeking, jealously seeking, Actively seeking to turn you away from what is morally right. It's not going to stop. It's not going to pause. The world's not going to be a better place tomorrow. It's going to continue. You will either submit to their seeking of you and be shut out of these benefits of the gospel, or you will reject them by faith, living for the glory of Christ. It starts very, very innocently. It's just one deal. It's just one day. It's just one week. I I just didn't read my Bible on Monday. I just didn't pray on Tuesday. It's just one day. God understands. Well, I, I, you know, I... I used to do that, but I just didn't do it this month. And it goes from one to the other to the other. And all of a sudden, you wake up one day going, I didn't know when the last time I was at church. I didn't know the last time 
I participated in any outreach. I don't know the last time I ever did anything mission-wise. I don't know when I ever served my church. You know what? I'm not going to go back because they won't even know who I am. And the guy told me this week, he said, I want to come. He said, I don't think anybody there will know me. And he said to me, I don't think anybody will know me. I grew up in the church. If I went there my whole life, but I don't think anybody would know me. I said, I know you. I know you need to be in church. I know you need to be in the things of God. He didn't come. Because nobody will know him. Where did you go from being so involved to nobody knows you? The church didn't move. We maybe changed our name, but we didn't move. You know, I know I'm not a rocket scientist. I don't have everything figured out. But the preaching isn't any different in the last 21 years. What's changed? That's what Paul says here. You say, well, you shouldn't make it about you. Paul does. I labor over you. I labor over you like a woman having birth pains that Christ would be formed in you. I hurt for you. You know, there was a time in which you would have gouged out your eyes and give them to me. He says that. Now you're playing around with troublemakers who are trying to take you and shut you out of the kingdom? He's like, I don't get it. Verse 18, I know we're doing 17, but verse 18, he says, here's the protection. The world does all of that. And then you see the switch at the end of 17. Then you zealously seek and go head over heels after them. In verse 18, here's the protection. Look, it, it's always good to have, to, to have someone zealous for your good purpose. God give you someone who's zealous for your good? That's a good thing. And not only, Paul says, when I'm present with you, my little children, whom I'm in anguish, who, I'm, who I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Look, God provides people, things, those who would earnestly, intensely, and jealously seek for you in a commendable way. What a blessing that God gave Paul to Galatia. He cared for their souls. It really hurt him. His heart really broke. He really had birthing pains. Every mother in here who knows who didn't have an epidural, you understand the pain of childbirth. He says, I hurt that bad for you. I want what's good. It was a gift to the church, Paul was. Paul only desired their well-being. That's all he wanted. He wanted them to profit spiritually. He wanted to see them enjoy the benefits of the gospel that he had preached. He wanted them to have a life that they live of faith in the Lord Jesus. He didn't want them to be shut out by negative forces around them. His desire was so great, he could only describe it in the context of a woman giving birth and going through labor pains. Protection is given by God to labor for your soul. Then lastly, if you look in verse 20, he says, the Apostle Paul says, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone. Because, for, I am perplexed about you. This word perplex, opereo, is 
to be in a confused state of mind, be at a loss, be in doubt, be uncertain. Uh, other contexts where this word is used, the women go to the tomb uh, to take anointing and spices. They go to the tomb that morning. There's supposed to be a rock. It's supposed to be sealed over the tomb. Well, the rock's rolled away, and there's no body in there, and the women are perplexed, confused. They're like, where's the body? What happened here? It should be sealed. So their minds are all disturbed. Or like when Jesus was with the 12 in John chapter 13, and he says, one of you will betray me. And the 12 are like, what? What are you talking about? It makes no sense. They, they were worried and perplexed about whom he spoke. It, it just didn't work in their minds. Paul here is saying to those in Galatia, I'm confused. My mind is all in disarray. Nothing is connecting between my ears. You're a people who heard the gospel, responded by faith, and were set free. And now you've decided that you would go back to the world in order to be slaves of the very ones you hated. I don't get it. I don't understand what's so enticing out there to take you back into the chains that you hated wearing when over here we have a gospel that sets you free. I don't get why people don't make the church their priority. I don't understand why the Bible is not preeminent in your life. I don't understand why you don't meditate and memorize the Word of God. I don't understand why you don't read this book. I don't understand why you're not at prayer meeting. For God forbid, I don't know why you don't come back on Sunday night. What on earth is going on out there that is better than the gospel? TV? News? Fishing? Hunting? What, what, what's going on out there that's captivated your heart? I just don't get it. I'm perplexed. He's in a loss for words. How they could become slaves to the very things that had delivered them. It is perplexing to think that confessing Christians would rather sleep than worship. It's perplexing to think that Christians would rather watch TV than worship. They would rather fulfill their hobbies than go to prayer meeting. They would rather try endlessly to keep all the rules than to delight in walking with Christ by faith. They would rather hang out with their friends Get this, there are Christians that would rather stay at home with their friends and relatives than to bring their friends and relatives to the church to hear the gospel. I'm perplexed. This makes no sense to me. Lost people come to my house and I'm going to stay at home with them where they don't hear the gospel. i got lost kids so we'll stay at home. That way they won't hear the gospel. It makes no sense. It makes no, I, I just want my kids to be saved and we try to come to church when we can. It makes no sense. We'd, we'd rather watch church on a computer or TV than actually the fellowship. You want to watch it on a computer screen rather than give Travis a hug? That makes no sense to me. You're going to watch it on a distant screen rather than shake somebody's hand and ask them how their week was? It makes no sense because Christians ought to fellowship together because they have a common bond in Christ to save them and set them free. And so we long to be here because we love one another. It is the gospel, right? That we love one another, that we esteem others higher than ourselves. And so we long to be here in order that we can encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. 
And there's people who'd rather work than rest. One day life will come to an end. And God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. It's the last verses in Ecclesiastes. I ask you this morning, and those who are not here to hear this message today, I ask you this. If you have been set free by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles? In conclusion, the gospel that is diligently proclaimed to you in this church is a gospel that sets men free. It delivers men from darkness into marvelous light completely satisfies the soul by putting men in union with Christ, who alone satisfies to the uttermost. Those who have truly fallen in love with Christ, I plead with you that you would not turn back to the world. Do not become a legalist. Do not try to live a life in which you try to hold on to the world and to Christ at the same time. You cannot serve God and money. Can two walk together lest they be agreed? I pray that you would fully embrace Christ by faith and fall head over heels in love with Him. He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. May you be able to say this day, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or perhaps you could word it differently and you could agree with the psalmist this way. Whom do I have in heaven but you? And there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing on earth I desire besides you. That ought to be the heart of Christianity. Brother Jeff, you come as we close in a word of song. You receive these words and the intent that they're given. Embrace them, think upon them, and ask yourself whether or not you've turned back or if you're still fully engaged in living by faith.